Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Refresh your career with Griffith College. Choose from a range of over 100 part-time, online and blended courses to flexibly build your future. Dublin, Cork, Limerick. Visit griffith.ie. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. We pay our respects to them and their cultures and to elders both past, present and emerging. We're back, we're back, we're back, we're back. I'm in the pod loft because restrictions have lifted and I feel okay about leaving my house again. I'm sitting on the floor at this spare room in my parents' house. (laughs) Ellen is in the middle of nowhere. I've seen a cat. Fifi's here. It's been been like a month and a half since I've seen a cat in real life and I am fucking happy to be here. What's up? Jess just had like a weird mental breakdown before we started recording where she just repeated, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. that I shouldn't have looked at. But I'm here and it's fine. So it's... you're you're currently going through a manic episode? Is uh, that what's happening right now? Yeah, probably. And I mean, that's that's great because I have, but also I'm just excited to be here. It's been a month and a half. I can see our poster in front of me in the pod loft. I've seen Fifi, Zane, our producer is getting another cat as well, which brings me so much joy. All good things. And I miss Ellen. Like, it's coming up on a year since I've seen Ellen Mo Sorensen and I'm dead. Yes. Although we do see each other through the, the wonders of the internet every fortnight. Yeah. We have not physically we occupied, have not f- we have not breathed the same o- oxygen in about 12 months. It's, yeah. It's wild. It's so wild. Um, Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Murder on the Land of Oz. The dawning of our new age. I cannot believe you all thought we were stopping the podcast. As if. As fucking if. We have no other hobbies. What else would we do with our free time? Literally, Ellen and I were talking about this today. So obviously, my industry, I won't go into it. It's dying at the moment because of um, hashtag COVID. So there's all these people that are doing these new things. And they're like, ooh, new things and branching out and hobbies. This is exactly why I wanted to do this podcast was because my life as an independent artist was already sucking. So I made, we made this you got to make your own content. If nobody is going to pay you to make content for them, you've just got to make your own content. We've just got to force it on you. And that's really what we've done quite successfully in the past year, really forced ourselves on the general listening public. And I'm I'm glad that people still want us to do it. I'm really happy you're here. Speaking of, so we've had a surge of Patreon subscribers. Is it because we didn't record for a month and a half? Is it because you actually just missed the sound of our voices? I don't know. So we've got a few people that we need to thank. 
Okay, starting off with Katie Porter, uh, Kelly McMaster, sorry, Jordan Boyd, Betsy Violet, who is very active on our Instagram profile, who not who was a Patreon in the first place, um, but she upped her subscription to us. Thank you so much, my darling. Um, we also need to thank Tess and Daniel and Meg and then Jillian, who also upped her donation. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us on Patreon. Like, I can't even begin to describe how much we are so grateful that you were supporting us. It's a weird time. As we said, if you would like to donate, our Patreon is in our show notes as always, but we totally understand that it's a weird time for everybody work-wise. So do not feel the pressure, okay? Do not feel the pressure. Do the not feel the pressure. will be there when the economy recovers. Exactly. Everything's fine. Don't stress. Speaking but of. thank you. But thank you guys everybody. so much. Um, and also just thank you for listening on Spotify. Um, thank you if you've left us some nice reviews on the Apple iTunes. Um, <clears throat> okay. So what On do the we, Apple. On the Apple. Um, on the Apple. We've got. On the Facebook. Th- I've got a shout out that I would like to give. Our friends of our podcast, uh, Lauren McKenna, has just started a great new podcast that I would highly recommend that you listen to and they've also done some promo for us on theirs as well um it's called Cockboxed by Corona Jesus Christ Fifi we've been back for two seconds can you hear that Ellen I can hear almost nothing but that noise Fifi's going hog wild can you say something on the camera can you say something on the microphone no Um, <clears throat> so Cockblocked by Corona, which is uh, Hannah Fredrickson, Kate Foster and uh, Lauren McKenna. And basically they're helping their beautiful friend Kate, who is recently single, uh, navigate her dating life now that we're all in isolation, which is something we could all, you know, learn from as single people in the age of Corona. I've had so many people try and ask me out for dates on Bumble and I'm like, are you joking? Yeah, can't relate currently living in a town of 2,000 people there is no there's no corona dating for me or for anybody don't, don't date do people it. in corona don't let people that you don't know into your house no, during thanks. this trying time or ever yeah okay so we should explain what's going on with the new age of Mitlu. you guys are probably like can you get to the fucking murders jesus okay um so as we said when you all thought that we were finishing the podcast how we have been going with Mitlu is now done Ooh, what, why are you putting your hands over the microphone? I'm covering the microphone because the dogs are outside and they're making a lot of noise and I'm oh. trying to do whatever I can to <laughs> make it not capture. Um, so how our initial structure of Mitlu is now done, we went around the States and we picked some crimes. Um, so we are going to be moving on from that. But before we do, to sort of buy ourselves some time so we can figure out what the fuck we're doing, um, we're going to go back not back around, but we're going to pick some cases that we either didn't cover that people really wanted us to once we had left the States. Um, and then we'll move on to our new format, which we will explain as we come to know we how we're going to do it. it. <laughs> yeah. So basically there's there was so many cases for every single state that somebody was like, you guys missed this one. You didn't cover this one. Like, I'd love for you guys to talk about this one. They're not necessarily going to fit into anything that we're going to have coming up in the future. So we kind of wanted to like do a little scoot back around pick up all the ones we've missed mostly so people stop requesting them in the facebook messages um and also to talk about ones that we wanted to cover but maybe like we just couldn't fit it in at the time yeah um because they're you know we're humans we don't know everything you guys yeah, know way more than we do 
oh my god it's embarrassing it's so, so many embarrassing. people message and like actually did you know that this happened during this case and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying um so yeah we're going to try and cover some of the cases that we missed um and then we're going to be moving on to our new format um so i'm going to do the first case so as the format of these ones where we're going to be like they're called i'm going to call them like catch-up episodes do you yeah, reckon sure yeah so the first about we'll come catch up with up, something catchy we'll come up with something catchy we're gonna call them blank episodes. can i just say though like i know we weren't super stoked with jess not having a case when we had the mini episodes but that olivia benson episode i have gotten so many messages about people saying how funny that was that was a real look inside how our brains work oh, that was a real like just God. cut open the skull fiddle around inside the little brain hole that was See so funny um, okay, so I'm going to be doing the first little catch-up episode um, and obviously with everything that was going on with the recent court case that has sort of been put on hold because of corona, but I think because um, of what they've decided to do with the court case, it's still going ahead, like there's still news trickling in about it all the time. I had no idea about this case and then all of a sudden we were in Western Australia and everybody's like, what the fuck, why aren't you doing Claremont? I'm like, what's Claremont? So <laughs> we're going to talk about Claremont. Okay. We're going to do Claremont. So obviously with WA, it's a big state. Um, a lot of the cases that we talked about, especially Ellen's coverage of Eric Edgar Cook, which was so unbelievably good, like I can't even deal. Um, and then obviously talking my, you know, okay attempt at talking about the David and Catherine Burney whole bullshit, um, had no concept of this Claremont thing. And also it was the 90s. And like we've covered a few cases in the 90s era yeah um so like um one of my south australian cases um anita cobby was sort of the end of the 80s early early 90s so i had literally no idea about claremont obviously this is also a very it's a weird time for me and ellen in our age group because around so um when this all started in 1996 we were three so you know i didn't know that many murders when i was three i won't lie no um okay so let's wind back to 1996 um at this point Ellen and I are only about two and a bit years old Mm -hmm. um it's January 27th uh 1996 and 18 year old Sarah Spears has been reported missing so Australia Day she was celebrating at uh, Club Bayview which is um in this uh, it's in this suburb of Perth called Claremont I have organized a couple of flower deliveries in Claremont I can say that um so Basically, what was known about her movements was that she was out celebrating with friends. At about 2.06, she called for a taxi from a phone booth that was a couple of hundred metres away from Bayview. Um, But when the taxi arrived, there was, like, she wasn't anywhere to be seen. So then five months later, June 6, 1996, Jane Rimmer vanished after a night out at the Continental Hotel, which is practically around the corner from Bayview. Um, There was CCTV footage that was only recovered a few years ago of Jane outside. She's standing by a pole. She's looking really happy and smiley. Um, So she's disappeared. So uh, a couple of days later, uh, four days later on June 10th, the day before my birthday, um, police believe that there's a link between the disappearances of um, Sarah and Jane and they come up with a task force called the Macro Task Force. Now, through the whole journey of the Claremont case, this would be one of the biggest murder inquiries in Australian history. They interviewed over 3,000 people and it became one of Australia's longest and most expensive manhunts, which I want to go into my thoughts and feelings about all of that at the end of the episode. Anyway. Oh, I love the thoughts and feelings. We love a thought and feeling. 
Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so eight weeks later, um, Jane's body is unfortunately found um, in the Southport area, um, South Perth area of Wellard. Um, her body hadn't been buried, but um, attempts had been made to conceal her with um, vegetation and branches and all that sort of stuff. Um, so March 15th, 1997, uh, so just under a year, um, uh, Kira Glennon, who was a 27-year-old lawyer, she was back visiting from Perth. She'd been backpacking in Italy. Oh, no, backpacking in South America. And her folks were, like, sort of relieved about her being back in Australia. They're like, oh, finally, she's safe, you know. Oh. I know. So, so, so bad. Um, and she had disappeared after leaving the same hotel, the Continental, as Jane Rimmer. Um, like Sarah and Jane, she'd been out celebrating with friends but had decided to make her own way home. Um, she was last seen on the Stirling Highway, which we've talked about a little bit in a lot of our cases in WA. Um, mm-hmm. Police believe that she was attempting to catch a cab home. Um, so less than a month later, Kira's uh, remains were found in bushland north of Perth in Eglinton. Um, there were a lot of similarities in the um, the remains that were found of Jane Rimmer and... Kira. I should also say Sarah Spears' remains were never found. Um, there was um, like large hole marks in the necks of both Jane and Kira. Um, they both had been covered by foliage. foliage um, and as I said, Sarah Spears had never been found. When you say hole marks. Like gaping holes in their necks. Oh my God. Yeah. Like they were bitten by a vampire or like? No, they didn't. They didn't. It wasn't like... They haven't uh, – from what I read, they didn't say that there was, like, bite marks, but, like, large, like, like, gouges. Yeah. Right, okay. Mm. Um, God, it's weird to be talking about this stuff again. It was weird researching this again. I was just like, oh. I was like, what am I doing? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I feel really weird doing this. Um, okay, so at the scene of um, Kira Glennon, there was a Telstra-issued knife found at the scene, which is going to make a little bit more sense later on. Um. So obviously with all of the girls leaving the um, the Bayview and the Continental, um, taxi drivers were basically their main suspects, mm, which uh, you can understand. Um, so they there was uh, 5,500 taxi drivers in the Perth area that were considered as suspects um, and all of them were urged to supply saliva samples and fingerprints. And there was this interview with this girl. She, I didn't know who she was. It was just one of those like news cameras, like going around and interviewing people mm-hmm. on a night out. And unfortunately, I don't know if this was like a bit of victim blaming on her end. This was 1997, so it's a different time. Um, she basically called women that were catching cabs home by themselves foolish, which is, you know, and I mean now, like in this day and age now with Uber and um, – you know, all of the ride sharing stuff. Like that's considered as more safer option than getting, you know, Just public transport home mm-hmm. or getting a cab or all that sort of thing because of, you know. So it's just, you know, these girls were just trying to get home. They weren't doing anything foolish. They were having a nice night out and wanting to get home and this horrible thing happened to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, basically then a suspect became uh, prominent and his name was Lance Williams and he was a 41-year-old public servant um, and he basically became Macro's um, prime suspect. Um, he lived with his parents in Cottesloe, um, quite close to the hotel where Jane and Sarah Spears had disappeared um, and had basically he had been out on the evening of when both Jane and Sarah had disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and Lance Williams was known to like drive around the Claremont Claremont area and other environments. Apparently, he was like conducting his own investigation into the murders. Oh, yeah. red flag. Um, so basically him being in like close proximity to where the girls had disappeared and you know this habit of his going around and driving around obviously put him to the top of the list of um like this of the suspect list um so basically he um the police what they did was they had plainclothes policemen pretending to be like women policemen pretending to be um like like party goers. Like party goers out on a night out um, mm-hmm. and, you know, attempting to get home. And basically he approached one of the officers offering them a lift. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing happened. Um, and obviously like police were ready, like at the ready that if anything happened. If anything did happen, they would be yeah. there like a shot. So nothing happened. Um, so the early hours of February 15th, 1998, so the following year from when Kira Glennon uh, was uh, disappeared and then was found um, dead a couple of months later, um, Lance Williams was arrested uh, as he drove through the Claremont area. He was questioned for 12 hours and then he was released. Um, he mm-hmm. remained a suspect for the Claremont murders for basically the next 10 years. Um, his family's house was raided quite a few times. Listening devices were installed. Um, he was under like intensive physical surveillance basically for such a long time. His office was also bugged. Um, and that sort of became unstuck because one of the listening devices that was concealed in the ceiling actually collapsed the roof and it ended up on his desk. Um, oh, that's awkward. Basically, he was known as a bit of an eccentric, but it did turn out that he was innocent. Um, he was interviewed by a lady called Alison Fan when he was still under scrutiny, and he said, it was just something that upset me, and I just probably was snooping around, and, you know, I just got the attention of the police. Um, as of 2008, he was no longer a suspect, and he died of cancer in February 2018. So he and his family, like, basically what had happened is that he was – brought in for questioning, questioned for 12 hours, was considered a suspect for 10 years, was never arrested, mm-hmm. but his family was still under scrutiny for all that time. So, And there was a lot of scrutiny on the macro task force for literally zeroing in on Lance Williams. He obviously was a bit of an eccentric. And I mean, a lot of the time, like you see on cop shows all the time, like those people that are, you know, trying to do citizen arrests and trying yeah, to like do their own research. themselves into the investigation. Yeah. And they're a little bit, you know, eccentric and a little bit, you know. It kind of anyway. makes sense. So two decades later, since the disappearance of um, Sarah Spears in 2016, Bradley Robert Edwards, they, of course, had to put in the middle the name. The middle name. Why? It's just the serial killer. John Wayne mark. Gacy. What's another one? Eric Edgar Cook. Uh-huh. Which was that saying? JJ Holmes, yeah. Okay. Everybody. Everybody. If you've got three names, you are a murderer or you're the host of Murder in the Land of Oz. H.H. H. Holmes, not JJ Holmes, yeah. <laughs> JJ Abrams. JJ. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. JJ Abrams. I know. Abrams Either you is host a, a murder podcast or you are a murderer. There is no in between. Um, I'm so sorry. <gasps> Hello, Mew Mew. Hello, little kitten bale. 
Are you going to get in the box? Oh my God, Fifi's getting in the box. Yes, we're talking about horrible crimes. Anyway, okay. So Bradley Robert Edwards, he was a 48-year-old former Telstra technician um, from the southwest Ah. Perth of Cudale, and he was arrested. And he was charged with the murders of Jane Rimmer and um, Kira Glennon. Um, A charge for Sarah Spears' murder came later, obviously, because there was no um, remains found of Sarah. Mm -hmm. Um, Edwards lived alone in a, like, rundown bungalow, which kind of is like a cottage. Seems like a fancy word for a cottage. I don't know. Yeah, bungalow is like a one, like, it's specifically like one story, like, little house. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, basically, what had happened is that this breakthrough had come through down to um, matching DNA from alleged crimes in 1988 and 1995, which they matched to the Claremont case. So. Basically, what happened in 1988 was a break and enter of a home in Huntingdale, which is southwest of um, southeast Perth, sorry, in which um, an 18-year-old occupant was attacked. Um, he, her assailant, left a kimono at the scene. His kimono? Can we just let that sit for a second? I, anyway, that that was like very it. triggering to me. I don't and like there was it. DNA found on the garment. Um, it was uh, retested nearly two decades later and it provide a, provided an alleged link between the DNA, DNA evidence of the Claremont murders, one of the Claremont murders. Um, police alleged that uh, police alleged that there was DNA found under Kira Glennon's fingernails, which belonged to Bradley Robert Edwards. Obviously, this is all still in trial. So this is just going by what is reported in the press. The case isn't done yet. I don't even... I don't think the defence have made their case yet. So... Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm just going by what the internet has told me. Bye, baby. Um, okay. So basically, as it as it says literally in my notes underneath, the defense is likely to argue that the evidence was contaminated. I mean, it's been 20 years, so there's yeah. not like a there's not a, it's not impossible that it's been contaminated within 20 years, but we'll see. Okay, and then the case that he was linked to in 1995 was the abduction and a rape of a 17-year-old girl who had left Club Bayview in Claremont. She was taken to Karakata Cemetery um, in Perth and she was raped and attacked. Um, So Bradley Robert Edwards was um, charged with the crimes and he did plead guilty from what I saw um, because the information that I got about the 1988 case came later, but he did... He did admit to the uh, rape and the attack of the girl in Karakata Cemetery eventually, but he did plead not guilty at the start. Mm -hmm. Um, But he basically at this stage is still saying that he's not guilty of the murders of um, Jane, Sarah and Kira. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, October, 2009, um, October, 2019, which was uh, just a month before the trials were about to start, he changed his plea for the 1988 1988 case and the 1995 charges to guilty. Um, And the trial began on November 25th. um, And basically, okay, so a little bit info on um, Bradley Robert Edwards. Um, It was Carmel Barbagello. I'm so sorry. She is the uh, prosecutor. Um, in the WA Supreme Court um, on the second day of his trial um, basically they just there was a lot of witnesses obviously that I think they had about 600 witnesses that they were taking to the stand oh my lord yeah um, and the first person that took the stand was his first was Bradley Robert Edwards first wife who can't be named for legal reasons um, and she basically 
painted the portrait of what their relationship was like. Um, so uh, basically they went through the details of their marriage and how it relate, how the relationship ended in the late 1980s. Um, she said that she had met Edwards through a man she was dating at the time and who also worked at the telecom with Bradley Robert Edwards. Mm-hmm. Um, they got together during an event known as the Santos Run in WA's North, a rock concert held over a weekend, and they um, ended up, she ended up leaving her boyfriend to be with Bradley Robert Edwards. Um, they shared a three-bedroom house in the suburban Noranda. God, these Perth names are bizarre. Are they? I don't know. I feel like, anyway. They feel very Perth to me. Like very they give Perth. me Perth vibes. Have you been to Perth? No. I have. I've never left the East Coast. Um, basically, they, you know, supposedly led this very ordinary suburban life. Um they owned a horse together before the marriage ended. They had two dogs um, and they had like this property in the Perth's foothills that they would go to every Saturday and Sunday. Um, Bradley would drive her to work. Like it all just seems very normal. Very normal. He wasn't a big drinker, um, but he did like a corona, not the virus. Um and but it was he was just like they just painted this like very mundane portrait Normal of their picture. lives, you know. Um, so they were still together in their late teens when they got together. But by um, 1990, she was like keen on them getting married. Apparently, he wasn't. Um, and she said, "I was asking questions of whether we were going to think about getting married or if marriage was even on the cards for us." And he seemed a little bit upset. Um, the following day, Bradley Robert Edwards um, attacked a woman at the Hollywood Hospital without warning, grabbing her from behind as she sat in a desk, stuffing a cloth into her mouth and dragging her backwards across the room. Stuffing a clock into her mouth? Cloth. Cloth. Oh, that's yes. not good. That's not what. That's not better. It's not better. It's a bit less it's bizarre. But um, basically, um, his ex-wife was wasn't questioned further about the. Um, she called it the Hollywood Hospital incident. Other mm-hmm. than um, he didn't pick her up as as usual, usual on that day and she had to take the bus home. Um, so their marriage began to collapse in 1994, be- between 1994 and 1995 after he began expending, spending excessive amounts of time on the computer at night. Red flag. <sighs> Red flag. Um, he just wasn't interested and wasn't present and it just slowly began to deteriorate. Um, and then in 1995, he obviously committed the brutal attack on that girl in Karakata Cemetery. Like, the photos of it are graphic, mm-hmm. like, from the crime scene. Like, it's really, 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 really cooked. And, yeah, basically the marriage broke down. Um, and then, so, yeah, that was, you know, it, it sounds like up until he went a bit mad, like, it just seemed like sort of mundane sort of life. Obviously, he was hiding a lot of things from his ex-wife. And, yeah, He's as, yeah as it seems to happen. Um, so basically people, uh, people, um, so no, not people, the police, the police are people, but they're more importantly police. Um, they, um, searched a Bradley Robert Edwards, former Huntingdale home in 2017, which was about 10 years after he sold it. Um, sometime before Christmas in 95, um, he, Bradley Robert Edwards caught his wife with another man in bed. Ooh. Ooh. Um, but apparently he was quite mild in his reactions and appeared really calm. Um, right. And apparently they sort of lived as a bit of a trio under the same roof. Very modern for 1995. Yeah. I know. 
Um, and then it looks like that his ex-wife actually became pregnant from the third person and he seemed quite fine with it. They sort of had like an on again, off again sort of thing for a while that, you know, seems to happen with relationships, isn't it? Uh But anyway, so then they ended up breaking down and, but obviously with them being married during the time of the attacks in 88 Mm -hmm. and 95, that's why she was brought in to witness I guess um so basically what was decided with the trial with their probably good in um hindsight is they decided to do a trial without jury mm-hmm. so that it was going to be a judge-only trial um mm-hmm. and Bradley Robert Edwards and his uh, attorneys didn't oppose that request um basically this sort of factors into how long they think a trial is going to last obviously with the amount of witnesses that they had with like the amounts of evidence that they had mm-hmm. trying to have a jury for that long wouldn't really work. No. I can understand. No. Um, Cause yeah, it, this started in November what it's May now. And obviously everything's been impacted because of coronavirus, but they probably still would have been going on. They would like, have still been going on. If they had 600 witnesses, like yeah. they'll still be going on. Yeah. Um, Basically, April last year, Justice Michael Corraby basically said deciding the factors for a judge-only trial in the Claremont case was a lingering prejudice against Edwards as well because it was highly profiled that he had been arrested. Yeah, so it probably news. yeah, it probably would have been tricky to find non-biased jurors mm-hmm. anyway. So I feel like good choice by them. Um, so yeah, six hundred potential witnesses. Um, l- probably that number will decrease as like negotiations go between the prosecutor and the um, defense attorneys. Mm-hmm. Um, by June of this year in 2020, there um, basically is about that. Oh no, June of last year, sorry. There's about a million pages of evidence. Um, and the, ev- like the evidence obviously disclosed to the defense team, it's about 110 gigabytes. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, the trial began on the 25th of November um, and it was the obviously with the two victims that were found, so Jane and Kira, um, there were defensive wounds um, present on the body, so they did fight back. Um, basically, what is going to be one of the main pieces of evidence in the trial will be um, like the Telstra work vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, he was working as a technician at the time and basically mm-hmm. he – what they what they're trying to prove is that he used the um the company's vehicles after hours in order to execute the crimes. Um, mm-hmm. this was corroborated by people actually seeing Telstra vans parked on multiple occasions at the Karaketa Cemetery for no reason. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with the attack in 1995, um, and obviously that following after the attack, um, following the disappearance of Sarah Spears as well, um. Basically, according to the prosecutor, Karma Barbara Gallo, who I mentioned before, the state intends to present this evidence as a part of the case um, between 95 and 97, where Telstra station wagons stopped and looked at victims on the Sterling Highway near the Bayview um, and Continental and offering women for rides. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they've sort of they've gotten the actual model of the Commodore station wagon that they believe. So a little bit more info on the DNA breakthrough. Um, so obviously this was 12 years after um, – this was 12 years into, sorry, the Claremont investigation um, because of the um, – obvi- as we've covered and as we've said in a lot of our cases where it has taken a, a bit of time for um, evidence to be 
being able to be analyzed and stuff like that technology is changing all the time um and obviously they were able to get a little they were able to process a lot more of um, smaller amounts of dna under um kira glennon's fingernails mm-hmm. um this was um discovered by scientists in 2008 at a london lab who had a um who had the advanced um, method as we've we've talked about before low copy number analysis um and basically the sample that they had was known as and, and marked as unknown male four. Um, and obviously with low copy, there's only so many tests that you can do before you actually like degrade like, the sample. Degrade, yeah, exactly. Degrade the sample. Ellen's a scientist. And a podcast host. And a podcast host. Um, so obviously having the DNA of the suspect, they um, went through cold cases and that's how they found the attack. That's how they linked um, the murder of Kira. Um, yeah, the the DNA under the fingernails of Kira, therefore her murder to the attack in eight, um, ni- 1888, no, sorry, 1988 by the woman that was attacked in her home and then um, linking it also to the uh, attack at the Karakata Cemetery in 1995. So, yeah, this is still an ongoing case. And that was the um, – there obviously was a podcast about – the Claremont murders that has actually been taken down because of the trial. So obviously, mm, same as teacher's pet. Same as teacher's pet. Um, do you have any info on how? Well, oh, sorry, I'll wrap up the case. So that is the information that I've got on the Claremont murders. Um, yeah, I say he did it. It sounds and looking also. It, I mean, even just looking profile wise at the three victims: um, Jane, Sarah, and Kira, the um, the three murder victims. I really hope that he just like if he did do it which he probably did I hope he discloses where Sarah is because like Mm -hmm. that's that's something that we've talked a lot about as well um and I mean even the fact that he he has been charged with Sarah Spears's murder Mm -hmm. even without her um remains yeah because it would be like one of those cases where the murders of the other two girls are so similar in nature to Sarah's that he's like linked by Mm-hmm. You know, I can't even I can't even remember what they call it, but the pattern is so similar that he's connected to those. I mean, even looking at the girls, especially um, like all three of them, like they're very beautiful, bright-looking girls. They're lovely, um, and then also like the physical links between Jane and Sarah is spooky. Really? Yes. Very, very, very spooky. They look really similar. They look very similar. They look very, very similar. Um, and yeah, as I said, like he has pled guilty to the um, house attack in 1988. He's pled guilty to the atta- uh, the attack and rape in the Karakata Cemetery, but he is still pleading guilty to the three murders. And his defense pleading has said, you know, to the three murders. pleading not, he's pled not yet. Ple- yeah. yeah, he's pled not guilty. Sorry. Um, his murder, like, no, his murder is sorry. Um, his defense attorneys have basically said, yeah, he's done some bad stuff, but that doesn't mean mean that he's a murderer. Make him a it's like, um, well, I mean, like it explains the, you know, as as we've talked about in a lot of the cases that we have where it is a serial killing, like there is a um, escalation. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of these people start out by, you know, either it's animal abuse or like violence at home. They do generally start out with you know aggressive attacks and then they progress Mm -hmm. to serial killing like that's Mm -hmm. that's just fact so i i would say he's done it i mean if they've got that much evidence against him Mm -hmm. if they've got i would be very interesting to know what is inside that million pages whether or not it's just like witness testimony or if there is a bit more forensics 
than there might be yeah yeah um, it seems like what there I, would need to be what I did want to like just not that I'm not saying that these three women's lives these five women sorry that have been you know affected by mm-hmm. this whole thing I'm not saying that their lives don't matter absolutely not but the fact that what I found sort of astonishing is that you know the disappearance and murder of three women mm-hmm. and this is the one of the largest manhunts in Australian history mm-hmm. and I just like I just feel like this wouldn't have happened if they were women of color mm. yeah and because Claremont is actually quite an affluent neighborhood Mm-hmm. in Perth mm-hmm. and the public response to it is just I mean obviously any any attack or any murder any murder is terrifying but the public's reaction to this is just it's the stereotypical like unbelievable forgive me for saying this as well but it's the stereotypical crime like a young wom- woman kidnapped and murdered by some mysterious man late at night like that's yeah. what that's what everybody that's what all girls like are told to fear like you know going home after a night out you might get snatched by some person like when that happens I think it triggers such an emotional response within the community because it's almost like it's like a like a cautionary tale come true you Mm. know what I mean like it's it's exemplifying what people are like really told to be afraid of yeah I just found that astonishing um anyway so we'll I guess we'll have more information as that becomes available to the Claremont Hopefully it should be resolved within the next year or two. Can you imagine being the families of those victims having to wait 20 years for some homeboy to even be arrested mm. and then he finally goes to trial and then coronavirus happens? Like, There's no justice. And have I mean, they not the, been through enough? The footage of like all of them arriving before the trial in November, it's just heartbreaking. And yeah. I mean, having to sit through all of that, especially with the amount of evidence that the prosecution do have, oh, like that would just be... It's going to be horrific for them. Absolutely horrific. Absolutely horrific. Yeah. So I'm. if anybody has any information about um, legal proceedings during the age of corona, please get in touch because I would be really interested to sort of know how this has affected the legal system, especially mm. the criminal legal system. Um yeah, so if you have any information on that that you would be able to, to like tell us about, please reach out through the Instagram or our email, murderinthelandofoz at gmail.com. Um, I would be really, really interested. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's Claremont. You Loved know, it. Good gave stuff. it a go. Gave it a go. Um, what do we need to tell you? How do we wrap these up again? As I said, if you want to become a Patreon, all the information is down in the show notes. As normal, there's no pressure. We're in a pandemic. You do you, Hans. It's a time. It's all good. Like, it's all good. We're there with you. We're there with you, Presh. Like, it is a goddamn time at the moment. Um, if you want to reach out over Instagram, we are Murder in the Land of Oz. Um, we're on Facebook as well. Um, thank you all so much to the people that have reached out to us over the last couple of weeks saying how much you've missed us and how, you know, you know, sending us support. We're sorry that we took a longer than normal break. Um, I think I can speak for both Ellen, Zane, myself. Like, this time has just been quite... Cooked. cooked and a bit traumatizing I can say that on my end yeah. um I it, it has affected me a lot more mentally I should say I'm very lucky that I'm still working and everything but it has affected me a, a lot more mentally than I actually thought it would so yeah. thank you so much for being patient with us we are back um and we're here to bring you that content that you love so much the content you crave 
Um, but yeah, thank you all so much. Uh, thank you for listening. Obviously, links to all of the merch, um, links to Patreon, links to the socials. You know it. Whatever. We have another episode coming out today as well. Today also. So to make up. So we'll talk to you then. Okay. Goodbye. What happens when you put three of Brisbane's most talented musicians together to create a playlist? You get the new podcast, Shuffology. Join your three favorite Shuffologists on a journey through time, space, Shuffology, and playlist creation. Every Sunday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere where a podcast is available. Playlists are available on Spotify after the show. That's Not Canon Productions podcast. Forward. It's the one move we're all ready to take. And at the Audi Moving Forward sales event, we're ready to help you on that journey. All Audi dealerships are now open. With tailored solutions to suit your individual needs, like the Audi A6 Saloon, with PCP finance from only €499 per month. Now is the time to make an appointment. Now is the time to start moving forward. Audi. Vorsprung durch Technik. Terms and conditions apply. At Irish Life Health, we reward you for embracing a healthier lifestyle. With our benefit plan, you can get up to €250 back on things like fitness wearables, gym membership, or sports club membership, like your local GAA club. Search Irish Life Health. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life Health. Irish Life Health Act is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Call us to see exactly what's covered. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.